in this day and age, everyone has a bank account and you have you may have several accounts with the bank. Um, and so what we wanted to do today is kind of go through some of the questions that you may have about how a bank works. Specifically, we're talking about FDIC, that's Federal Deposit Insurance. So making sure your money is safe with the bank. And then we also talk about private banking and how that works and equity lines of credit as cash reserves and a bunch of different things we covered today with Mary Thacker, who is, uh, uh, she heads up the private banking division at First Bank. And we we throw a bunch of questions at her and um, she, she does really great at telling us everything that we need to know about banking. Yeah, so Merce and I, you know, when we think about what we're going to do with these interviews is we, we kind of think, what is it we get asked all the time? And this is one of the things we get asked all the time is how to deal with, you know, cash in a bank, how much can we be protected and all that kind of stuff. So Mary does a fantastic job. You're going to really love this interview. Make sure you you key in on some of those FDIC uh, rules that uh, Merce actually walks through with her. Um, but just a couple quick reminders. If you want uh, to get more information about uh, the the information along that we're going to talk about today, uh, or you want to talk uh, talk to us, you can always visit our website, which is pomwealth.net. I say go to the blog page. There's tons of articles. You can actually go to the right hand side there and opt in for uh, what is called a three keys to secure your retirement. It is a masterclass, an online class that Merce and I recorded that walks you through a lot of the different elements, three major keys to help you get ready for and live through retirement. Uh, visit that. It doesn't cost anything. We never ask you for any money. It's completely free, but you would get a wealth of information. If you've not had a chance yet, we always ask if you, don't, if you think this show is a five-star type show, give us a five-star rating and write us a review. But we have to do one quick little disclosure, and then we're going to get into the show. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your specific situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Well, we welcome you to our podcast today. Uh, you know, Merce and I, in what we do in uh, helping people get, that get ready for retirement, so to speak, and they're always looking for good banking options. Like where do I put cash and how does that even work? And I know that FDIC changes from here to there and I don't want my cash balances to get too big. And we start having all these questions. Well, a few years ago, I met uh, Mary Thacker, who is who we have on today and we're going to interview. And I will tell you from my perspective, you know, I had always worked with the larger um, banks where you just kind of, you know, you go see a teller or you go online. And I had honestly never experienced the relationship type uh, experience that I experienced when I started working with Mary. 
And I was like, yeah, this is just amazing. I felt like I was stepping back into like, you know, the Andy Griffith show or something when you just walk in and everybody knows who you are. And I was like, this is awesome. This is amazing. And so I wanted to bring Mary on and, and to interview her and talk about what she does and how she does it. She actually um, runs private banking uh, for the Eastern region. Uh, I would say Eastern region of North Carolina. Is that right, Mary? That's correct. Okay, good. So anyway, let me just say thank you so much, Mary, for coming on and chatting with us today. I'm sure this is going to be very, very helpful to our listeners. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Mary, thanks a lot for coming on. I think um, we've got a whole slew of questions we want to ask you today from the banking perspective. But before we do that, if we could just get a little bit of uh, maybe some background from you, you know, as far as your banking history and everything like that, just so our listeners know who they're listening to. Sure. I have been banking about 26 years and I've been in the private banking um, area for probably 15 of those years. So I'm pretty familiar with what clients need on the private banking side. And I've worked a lot with financial advisors, so I kind of understand how that, the two work really well together and it works, it benefits the client a lot. Gotcha. So that when you say private banking, I don't, maybe not everyone knows or understands what that is, but can you give us a description? So I guess there's kind of like the personal banking side and then, then, then you have the private banking side and then you can go up into the wealth management side. So what are the differences there between, I guess, just walking into a bank to say, you know, cash a check or make a deposit versus the private banking side? Yeah, that's a good question. So the difference is if you just have traditional banking is what we call it without having a private banker, it really is for the people that just want to go in cash a check. They don't really have a lot of transactions. Where a private banker comes in is when you are very financially active, you have homes, you have investments, and you really need someone to make sure that all those things are working for you to reach all of your financial goals. So we just think it's a little bit more in depth. It's a personal relationship we manage with you and your financial advisor, and a lot of times your lawyer. So we're trying to make sure that all of the goals that you have set in your mind that you want to happen when you retire, or sometimes not even so much when you retire now, because we have a lot of the younger generations that are, you know, in their 30s and 40s that are getting close to that as well. So it's just really to have a, a hands-on touch on everything you have and make sure it's all getting to where you need it to be when you want to retire and to reach all your goals. Good. Now, I know that, you know, obviously there's a couple of categories. There's a person who maybe doesn't have a full-on business. Maybe they've got some rental houses. Uh, they've got their personal assets. Then we've got obviously people that are, are business owners. So, so let's talk, we'll talk about both of those, but, but let's just go with a person who say has, I don't know, a few rental houses. So that's, you know, they've got some passive income coming in. They've got some cash holdings that they want to keep liquid for different transactions, uh, whether that be buying another house or or, or whatever that might be, fixing up houses. Uh, could you kind of describe how that relationship would work in a private banking or in your scenario? Like what, what benefits the person would have working with somebody like you and in your environment compared to, I don't know, not working with you, like just going on and, and doing stuff online? Online. Yeah, that's a good question as well, because when you go online, you really don't know everything you know you need to know about the client. When you're person to person and you let's just say, for example, the rental property, not every bank's going to do that online, but when you are person to person, we're going to make exceptions that you would not normally get. A lot of banks don't do rental property. We can make exceptions on rates. We can make exceptions on terms. 
and not to mention we kind of work again we work with our financial advisors that that manage these clients as well and it's it just gives you a better opportunity to get products and your hands on things that you wouldn't normally get online or you wouldn't normally get in the larger institutions we can make a lot of the decisions ourselves so it makes it a lot more convenient it's a case by case versus you're just a transaction online gotcha so if someone has someone has that sizable cash that they have on hand and they want to you know they want it to be liquid they want it to be accessible in this in the case go with what Raiden said you've got that real estate mm -hmm. investor that says i need to have a couple hundred thousand ready to go at any given moment to buy that next house or to invest in this next fund, whatever it is, um, where would you put that money? What's the best place to put money like that? That's upper in the couple hundred thousand uh, and fully accessible. So there's two options. You could do that. If you were going to put the money in an account, you could put it in a CD or a money market account. But the other big thing is that sometimes we don't even have to do that. We can let that those funds keep working with you with your financial advisor. And a lot of times we have products that are unsecured for our high profile private clients that are really, really attractive and the rates are really low. And generally with our private banking, there's no fees for anything. So while your money is, and this is not for everyone, but a lot of times it's more important to keep your money working for you in your, in your investments and let us give you low rates on things that are gonna work for you for sometimes for tax purposes um, a lot of people, like, we really need to look at all of that. But if I were going to put extra cash, um, I would probably put it in a CD or an IR or a money market account. Gotcha. Yeah, so, wanna, I'm sorry. I wanted to, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you there, Marcia. I want to back up to one thing you just yeah. said. So when you said low rates, what you're saying is maybe whether that be taking out a personal or a business or an equity line, something along those lines, maybe borrowing the money at a low rate versus trying to use my own money to go do that purchase. Absolutely. Like, it, you know, I, I really believe that you should really keep your, your investments working for you. And there's always other options. I think some of the myths out there are that well, I just need to take it out and use that and not have any debt. But sometimes it works to your advantage. If the rates are low and you're earning a higher percentage in your investments, it just makes more sense to do that. So that's where we come in and we say, hey, you know, we work with your financial advisor to say, is this the best thing for you? So, I mean, there's a lot of options that are unsecured and we have a lot of term things for rental properties and it may make more sense. You know, sometimes it doesn't make sense to go and take the money out of your savings account. It makes more sense to do a, a line of credit or, I mean, we really have to look at the whole picture, yeah. which is another reason it's really important to have an advisor and the banking side and an advisor on the investment side. So we can kind of talk about those things and say, is that, does that make sense for Raiden? Is that something we should be doing for him? Every situation is different. Right. Yeah, we, we completely agree with you on that. And we try to look at the whole picture as much as we can, too. And sometimes, you know, we the numbers could say one thing, but emotions sometimes get in the way. Kind of like what you said, you okay. we have plenty of clients that have grown up with the, the idea of saying, I don't need to have any debt. So, you know, I'd much rather take my liquidate my investments and pay for something in cash. And then we have the other side that okay. says, well, if I can make a better rate of return in the investments than what it's going to cost me to make that loan, then I, let's go that way and keep the investments intact. So it's all, it, you know, part of what we do, we say is always, it's part art and then part numbers. And then it usually, 
you know, the emotions went out on that. So it's nice to know that there are options out there from a perspective of not really having to touch your investments and being still being able to get that that cash flow from the bank. Um, but one thing that we are, I, I would say, big advocates of right now, uh, with with the interest rate environment as low it is as it is right now, and you kind of touched on it, is equity lines of credit. Um, typically, just for having a cash reserve, rather than keeping say fifty thousand dollars in the bank at all times, why not just have a, a equity line of reserve or equity line of credit as your cash reserve that you can tap into at any time you need, kind of like a credit card, but the the rates from what I understand right now are a lot lower. So what are your thoughts on that? And kind of what are the steps if somebody says, hey, I want to go get an equity line, what do they need to be thinking about? How does that whole process work? Equity lines are really popular on the private banking side because especially for us, our rates are really low and we don't charge costs for many of them. So the process is super simple. We actually do it on a primary or a secondary residence. And Again, it's a case by case. Sometimes, um, depending on the size or the the need for it, but it's a simple process. It, you know, we just put your home on the line, which we tell people it's better to do that if it's at, you know, three percent because we are in a variable economy right now, which is really really attractive, and it's better to keep those investments working. So I would use my equity line. Um, we just take an application over the phone. Uh, we pretty much close most of them in office or we come to you. We're more of a concierge type department. So we bring everything to the client. We try to deliver. Um, you mean like the whole. Um, I'm probably at a loss for words here. I mean, it's it's super simple just to set up the equity line for us. It's probably a three week process. Um, there's a lien on your home. There's generally no closing costs. You have to get it on the equity line of credit. You would have to get an appraisal, correct? We do get an appraisal. Sometimes, sometimes we can just use um, a, a drive-by or we can okay. go online to get a value. It depends on how much equity they need, if they need the full amount, which is something else that in private banking, generally, if you were to call um, some of the larger institutions right now, they usually go up to 80%. So for some of our clients, there is possible to go up to 90, 95% on a primary or a secondary residence, which is really attractive. Yeah, very good. At very, very low rates. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, Get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. So now Merce talked about it earlier. He's talked about emotions. And uh, one of the things that we run into, and again, we don't ever, like sometimes people say, how much cash should I keep? And we don't answer that question with a, with a specific number because there is no specific number. Um, but regardless, people want what they want, right? So we have clients who say, look, 
you can call me crazy if you'd like, that's okay. But I still want a sizable amount of cash that I know is liquid and in all essence in a bank. I mean, cause we would tell them that stocks and everything are liquid. All we gotta do is sell them. But they go, no, 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 I want something like I can just go down to the bank. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can go get my money. And so we have clients that have different goals. We have some clients that want 200, 300,000 in cash sitting in the bank. They don't have anything they're going to buy. They just want it there. And it might be temporary. When I say temporary, it might be for a year, three years, five years. So could you just walk us through um, the, the, the idea behind FDIC and how that works with larger balances just so we're clear on that, because I know that it, you know, we, we say what they are, but then people ask, you know, is it per account? Is it per person, per household? Can you just kind of walk us through that? Sure. And that's a really popular question for us. But the biggest thing we get from people is, am I protected? You know, and that taps into a little bit. I know it seems a little bit scary when we think we could lose our money. But if you look in history, generally banks don't go out of business, they get acquired. So that gives you one bit of comfort right there. And th that FDIC follows bank to bank. So that's one thing. And then for two, it really depends, which is why it's really important to have a really good private banker that can tell you how to structure that. So it, you can structure it many ways. You can have, um, it could be myself. It could be myself and my spouse. It could be myself and a beneficiary. It could be myself and, and it, um, a nonprofit that I wanna leave it to. So if you ever go to the ED website, like if people just want to play with that and you go to the ED website, you can put the scenarios in there and see if it's actually insured. So it's a really fun tool to look at. We usually do that for them, can but you, there are some like people a, that say, hey, I don't mean, in, I, I don't mean, in, what's that yeah. website again? Cause you said that quick and it. It's ED, E-D-I-E. -E. And if you, I think I sent you the link if you want to send it to them. It's, uh, it's the electronic deposit insurance estimator. Okay. Okay. And it's really helpful because you can put all the names of everything that you want to leave it to or you, how you want to set it up and it'll say to the right insured or not insured. Okay. So it's a nice way to kind of play with that. There are ways to do it to still get FDIC coverage. There's a, there's so many different variables. Like I played with it a lot yesterday to get ready for your, um, your guests, but it's, it's really useful. So we do it with everybody just to make sure, because if they call in and they say, hey, I want to have, you know, 250 here, but then do I have to take it at five different banks? A lot of times you don't have to. So that's, people like that relief as well, because the, the closer we get to retirement, we really want to have things in a few places at most, because our family has to go back after us and try to figure out where all of that is later on. So it's really important that we kind of keep some of that managed well for them. A couple points there that you mentioned that I want to I want to kind of break down. So FDIC, from what I know right now, is two hundred fifty thousand as a as a single, right? So Correct. so you put you say you let's just go with an example. Say I'm I'm single. I've got a million dollars in cash that I want to be at the bank and have it FDIC insured. Now some people may say or think that they have to go to multiple banks. So. 250,000 at one, another, another, another. So you've got four banks with $250,000 spread out. But so what you're saying is that there are ways to structure accounts so that you can have that entire million covered by FDIC at, at one bank. And so is it, is it just based off of having different types of accounts? 
That is possible. It would just depend on how you want, again, that's where we would work with your financial advisor and your lawyer. You know, if you have, if let's just say you're just by yourself and you have no beneficiaries, it might be a little bit tougher. So I think that's why it's important. And you may have a trust. There's so many different things that play into that. Um, it's possible you could have, you know, a portion of it going to your favorite nonprofit. You could have a portion of it going to each grandchild. So it just depends on how those beneficiaries are set up, which is really useful. So when you go in there, if you put like your name and your grandchildren, or it, like, again, if it's you're just by yourself, it it could be tougher. Right. It's, we would just have to have the conversation with you and say, okay, where do you want those funds to go? Um, afterwards, and if it's only you, are you going to have it go to an estate, or is it going to be in a trust? It really, it just depends. I yeah. mean, it's it's simple, but it's also we don't. Every situation is different. Some people might have kids, some might not. We can help them structure it, and then it might make sense for part of it to go somewhere else. So it just right. really is a case by case. But there are a lot of ways to structure it that we have found that you know you can get up to you know, a million and a half, even higher. Right. So you, you've got, mm -hmm. let's, let's say I've got myself, that's 250,000 there. Then I have another account that is a trust. And so that could potentially be covered for another 250,000 at the bank. And then say I've got another account that um, for some reason, I, I, I like Raiden a lot. And so I'm going to leave him 250,000 behind and so I've got my, right. my name on it and then Raiden has a TOD or a transfer on death or a payable on death. So that gets you another coverage. Is that right? So, somewhat right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I, I think it's important for our listeners to understand what a TOD is or a P, uh, POD. Some, some banks call it TOD, POD, transfer on death or payable on death. Um, from, from what we know, I mean, it's nice that it adds on the, 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 the FDIC, but also from an estate planning perspective, we are big advocates of as many places that you can add beneficiaries to do that. So your IRAs, your life insurance, your retirement accounts, having the beneficiaries there, but also I think it's uh, kind of an unknown or, or not well-known thing that you can actually add beneficiaries to your bank accounts. Um, is that right? Yes, that's correct. And that's really important because some people don't know this, that your payable on death or your, your um, we call it, we, we always call it a payable on death. So I, it's probably even the financial um, in the investment world, they probably call it um, transfer on death. But you can, which is nice, it overrides a will. And a lot of people don't know that. They're like, hey, I want this. This is going to go to someone. So I already have a will. And I'm like, well, that's where, again, it's really important to have a close relationship with your financial advisor and your private banker, because we can say, where are these funds going to go? I mean, those are difficult questions, but we really need to know those because we want to make sure that we're doing everything that you are expecting without having to guess. And in the event that something does happen, you know, unexpectedly, is it going where you want it to go? Do you want it to go to your grandchildren? Do you want it to go to your spouse? So payable on death does override a will. So even if you're setting up a trust or you're working with your lawyer on, you know, certain things that you want to happen, it's really important that you let your banker know that as well. But yeah, it goes directly to the person that you make it payable on death to, regardless of whatever other documents you have. Well, I think that uh, what, what I get from our conversations that I've had with you, Mary, and I said it in the beginning and I say it now is that 
you know, there's things that we just don't know. Uh, we know that in the financial advisory world, uh, people come in and, you know, for us, it's simple. Uh, it's what we do every day. So we're able to answer those questions. And then you go into the banking industry and it's the very same thing again. You know, there's just things we don't know, but being able to talk to somebody like you, it really gives us a nice perspective and we're able to say, oh, these are questions I've got and I want to I want to be able to have those answered. And I have um, uh, over our time knowing each other had a few clients that have gone over and worked with you and I have not ever had anybody come back and say anything but man, that was fantastic. That was a great move. I'm so happy that I did that. So could you tell us like if a person is listening and they say, hey, I like this idea. I, I do have these kind of questions. I do like the idea of being able to hold, you know, a, a have a private banking type relationship. What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you or to find out more information or to wherever they need to go to be able to, to get the help that you offer? Yeah, usually it's my cell phone or my email address, and I'm happy to send that to you that you can send to your listeners or I can yeah, let them know now. Out, if you'll say it now, we'll make sure we put it in the notes. Sure. My cell phone is 540-960-0006, and my email address, the best way to reach me is mthacker, and that's T-H-A-C-K-E-R, at local, L-O-C-A-L-F-I-R-S-T, bank.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions, whether you bank with me or you don't bank with me. I'm happy to help anybody, just if it's certain questions that you have or you just want to talk about a few things. I'm always a good resource, and I agree with you, Raiden. My clients absolutely love working with you, and they love the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're more of a consultative um, financial advisor, so you're looking at the full picture like I am, which I think is why we make a great team. Your team works really, really hard, and I heard lots of great things, and I accidentally find out that there's people I know that weren't even banking with me that, that are with you, and they're extremely happy. So we appreciate what you guys are doing for all of our clients. They're happy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on and chatting with us. We certainly do appreciate it. Sure. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.